Amen. You know, they, they teach you this at Bible school, and I never went to Bible school. That, <laughs> that you, don't, you don't ever make comments like that before you preach because everybody will fall asleep. So um, I'm not going to take much of your time. But this morning I want to download into your spirit what God has given me for this house. Amen? So we're going to let God be God and let him take full control. I bring you greetings from Greater Times International, the church that I pastor in Peter Maritzburg, South Africa. I thank you for your love and your support. Um, a few months ago, personally, I went through a major experience in my Christian walk. And um, I met with Bishop Van and uh, from Second Ebenezer, and I was telling him, I said, when you guys came, when, when this team came, they were speaking into the lives of some of the things that we were going to happen in the church. And I said, when all the stuff that happened in the church took place, we, I had to go back and figure out what were these guys saying and just how well they prepared us for some of the things that happened. But how many of you believe and understand that God's got a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. Amen? That nothing happens by chance. Nothing happens by accident. And we've been, we've been through the worst times of our ministry. And I can say this to you. The year 2010 speaks, the number 10 speaks of a testimony and redemption. Amen? And I... I, I, I got to the end of last year and I thought, God, what are you talking about testimony? What kind of testimony are we going to have in 2010? How are you going to redeem us in 2010? And I tell you something. The fact that I'm standing here today is a testimony that God can keep you from falling and he can present you faultless before his great white throne. Amen. That we don't have to die to experience that. We don't have to die in the natural to experience that. The benediction's not out on us yet. Amen? God's still got plans. And for that, I'm eternally grateful to him. I want to thank Pastor Tim. He's been a, a dear friend. Um, Dave Pass is not here today, but he's one of my Facebook buddies. <laughs> All of you know Crazy Dave? Okay. <laughs> I honor that man as well, because in my darkest hours, these were men that, that came and stood alongside me and supported me and said, you know, you, I remember, I'm going to say this to you without startling your hope. I remember talking to Dave on the phone, and I said to him, Dave, I quit the ministry. And just like how you are right now, the phone went And it was like, Dave, you there? And Dave said, you know what? I'm here, but I can't believe what I just heard. And I said to him, what's the big deal? I said, I just had enough. I had enough of church. I had enough of religion. 
I had enough of us doing things the way we think God wants us to do it, and yet we're doing it our way. And Dave said, you know what, brother, that ain't happening. He's like, you are not doing that. You got to get back there. And so he's one of the reasons why I'm here today. Dave Pass. Amen. And when he heard I was coming into town, he decided to take another appointment. <laughs> but then Dave's crazy, so you know. <laughs> but listen, let me, let me share with you today something that I believe needs to happen in the lives of people. This morning, how many of you, how many of you are tired of religion? How many of you are tired of playing church the way we normally play church? How many of you are tired of having these great experiences like this year, going back home and just coming back again the next week like junkies. Come on. Because that's what we become. We become spiritual junkies. Sunday after Sunday, we have to get our fix. Nothing changes. Nothing happens inside of us that's constructive, that brings about a, a renewed understanding of who God is. Well, God is building his church in the earth, amen. And it's taking a different group of people to do that. And people who know how to reach the lost. I like what you're doing with Circle of Friends. We, uh, I also have some friends here with me, Amanda and Amy. Um, I'm just partnering with them. And uh, Amanda and I have uh, uh, founded a uh, non-profit organization that's busy working with nutrition. Trying to give people who are suffering with HIV AIDS nutrition. And... Uh, that coupled with the ARVs that the government is giving is going to help people to live a longer life and so that we can, we can express God's love and be able to touch people and meet them at the point of their need because that's what the gospel is all about. Amen? We can pray all we want to pray for people suffering and dying with AIDS, but unless we become practical and do something about it, ain't nothing going to happen. Amen? Amen? Come on. And this morning, I want to... I wanna, I wanna curse and bind the spirit of religion that grips the house of God. Amen. Now listen to what I'm going to say to you. I'm speaking this morning and the title of this message is identifying the spirit of Michael. And the spirit of Michael is a church that is incomplete. It is the picture of a church that is incomplete. Do you know what an incomplete church is? Do you know what it looks like? Do you know what, a, what an incomplete church looks like? It looks like God. Do you know Michael in the Hebrew actually means one who looks like God? And the spirit of Michael has gripped the house of God so much so that it looks like God. That when people walk into that environment, they think that's God. But it ain't God. Far from it. You know why? Because Michael, the Bible says that Michael had a spirit in her that despised the things of God, even though she looked like God and acted like God. Now I want you to turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6. I want to read verse 16. The story, let me just get you up to date as you're turning your, your, to the scripture. The story as we come along is in, in 2 Samuel chapter 6. 
David is moving the ark of the Lord from Mount Gibeah and he's taking it to Jerusalem. On the way, the Bible tells us that Uzzah, the ark shook and Uzzah touched the ark. How many of you know what happened to Uzzah? He died. If you're not mandated to touch the presence, you will die. If you don't have a mandate from God to touch the presence of God, because the ark represents the presence of God, you know what's going to happen? There's going to come death. There are many people today that have touched the presence of God, and because they don't have the anointing to do that, you know what's happened to them? Spiritually, they're dead. They are the walking dead. They're alive and walking, but guess what? They're dead. So this is what happens to Uzzah. So what does David do? David gets all upset and he takes the ark and he goes and leaves it in Obadidim, in Obadidim's house. The Bible says, Obadidim means the servant. And I want you to know something, that when the presence of God comes into a servant's house, you know what will happen? The blessings of God will come. You no longer stay the servant. Amen? We were sharing with the men over this uh, retreat. Galatians Chapter 4, verse 1, it says this year, that as long as the heir remains a child, all he is is a slave. And God doesn't want us to remain children anymore. God wants this house to transition and become a house of prayer. God wants this house to transition and become a true house that will affect change in the nations. So we've got to stop playing church. We've got to stop acting religious. Because religion will kill us. It is religion that killed Jesus. It is the Pharisees and the Sadducees that knew the scriptures, that knew the word of God, that knew all of the principles, that knew all of the laws. It was them who put Jesus on the cross. Religion killed him. And religion will kill the sons of God. That's why your pastor every now and then has to come up here and validate what he's saying. He has to get a group of elders behind him to validate what he's saying. You know what that is? That is the spirit of religion. Don't ever muzzle the ox that treads out the grain. I tell you something, church, when you do that, your destiny, which is locked up in his loins, is going to get locked forever. Your potential to reach nations, your potential to become successful is locked up inside of this man of God. And the day you restrict that in him, you lock up your own destiny. That's what Michael did. So David hears that Obadidim, David hears that Obadidim's house is becoming blessed because of the presence of God. And you know what David does? He says, you know what, we're going to have to move the presence. So guess what he does? He goes out there and he brings the presence, he brings the ark into Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that as they come into Jerusalem, David is dancing before the Lord. And we, and we all know about that story, right? That David danced naked before the Lord. All he had was over him was an ephod. That means he took off all of the spiritual garments, all of the religious garments that weighed him down. He removed it so that he could be free in the presence of God. Come on. This is not about a man being naked, church. This is not a carnal act. Because in many of our minds right now, we just we make it a carnal act. We make dancing in the spirit a carnal act. We make worshiping God a carnal act. And it ain't a carnal act. What happened was every religious spirit, every religious garment uh, has to be removed in order for us to transition and move into a new move of God. It has to happen. It has to change. 
But the Bible tells us in verse 16, 2 Samuel 6, verse 16, David, but as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. Another translation says this, Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. The spirit of religion will despise the move of God. Listen to some of the reasons why people came out that day. The Ark of the Covenant, Israel's greatest asset, was on the move. That which was hidden in the most holy place became visible during its transit. Something's, some, I'm telling you something. The church needs to understand something. That the presence of God is going to become more visible than ever before. And people are going to come out to see it. Another reason they came out is because Uzzah died the first time they moved the ark. Somebody else might die. You know, when there's signs and wonders, guess what happens? People come out. You know why? Because they want to experience that. So you got all of these spectators that come out just to see, hey, somebody might die on this move. This was their, their, their hero, King David's vision. Let me tell you something. The spirit of religion does not necessarily mean that because you follow the vision of this house, that you're a part of this house. Come on. You may know the vision of this house. You may have it written on your heart. But does not really mean that you're with the man of God. Come on. It announced that Moses' tabernacle was over. The tabernacle of Moses was over. That David was bringing in a new move of God. This was more than the slain of Goliath. It was the slain of a Mount Gibeon mindset. For years the nation went up to Mount Gibeon to worship. Listen to me church. You know what's a Mount Gibeon mindset? A Mount Gibeon mindset is this. You remember what I said to you earlier on? We become like spiritual junkies. We come into the house of God and we think that this is the only time that we experience God. The Mount Gibeon mindset is a religious mindset that thinks that the presence of God is only here. Well, let me tell you something. You carry the presence of God. David was saying, listen, the presence of God is coming to us. We don't have to go to the presence of God. It, it is coming to us. It's staying with us. So that when you leave here, let me tell you something. It is important for you to be here this morning. It is important for you to gather like this. It is important for you to celebrate everything that has happened during the week. That's what this gathering is about. It's a celebration. It's when the tribe of, of, of Israel will come together. It is when this nation, it is when this tribe will come together and celebrate their victories. What you are doing when you're raising your hands and saying, God, you are good and your mercies endure forever. You're telling the world, you're telling the, you're telling the nations, guess what? I want you to know something, that we've had victory in this week. That's all you're doing. You're celebrating your victories. But we take the presence of God throughout this next week and then we come back next week to celebrate God's goodness. So we break that, mind, that Mount Gibeon mindset. But the Bible says this. The Ark of the Covenant is moving but Michael stays at home. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of
Christians here today that are here, but they're staying at home. In their hearts, they're at home. In their hearts, they're at home. She chose to be a spectator rather than a participant. And as she saw David dancing before the ark, the presence of the Lord, she despised him in her heart instead of standing with her husband. Now, I'm not talking about women this morning. I'm not talking about women this morning. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about the bride of Christ that does not know how to stand with its husband. Come on. See, because we make this too natural. We make this too natural. We think that, you know what, this is just a natural thing. It's, hey, woman, you need to stand with your husband. This ain't about that. This is about you, man, and you, woman, who need to be able to stand with the bridegroom. Why does this wife of David choose to be a spectator rather than a, and, and a critic rather than a participator? Three scriptures that give us the clue. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 16. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 23. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Those three scriptures tell us something. It refers to her, Michael, as the daughter of Saul, but not as the wife of David. That's the key. There's a powerful truth locked up inside of that. She is not the wife of David. She's the daughter of Saul. There's a church in the earth. There's a church right now that has not transitioned, that hasn't, has not moved, and has not come into place where it can be recognized as the wife, as the true bride. It's still connected to an old order. Let me give you some characteristic natures of Michael, of a Michael spirit. Number one, it's a missing in action spirit. MIA, you know that one? Michael chose to be a spectator. Remember what I said to you? She stayed at home. Michael Saul's daughter looked through a window. Back in the day in South Africa when it was a lot more safer, I remember as a little boy, we used to go with my mom and dad and we used to go into town and we would walk up to the windows of the shops at night and we would peer in, look through the window at all the lovely things on the wall inside of the shop. Can you tell me something? There's a lot of window dresses here today. There's a lot of people today with the spirit of Michael that stand outside and peer in. They're looking through the windows. They're looking at all the beautiful things that are happening on the inside. They refuse to transition and step in. There's a lot of people today that want to look through the window. The spirit of Michael is a missing in action spirit 
that peers through the windows. Folk with this mindset are absent from important milestone events and moments of passion in the church. This church got something going on. There's a powerful message going out. You guys got uh, something happening in the park, praise in the park. And guess what? When you have a Michael mindset, you don't attend. You know why? Because you're still looking through the window. You're missing in action. When the man of God needs his people to stand behind him, to take the nations, to go and become a blessing, guess what happens? You're peering through the window. When he looks around, ain't nobody with him. That's a Michael mindset. The second thing about a Michael mindset, a Michael spirit, is infertility. The Bible says Michael was barren. You know something? Spectators can't produce anything. Only hot air. Have you seen a spectator? I'm a great spectator. When my favorite team is playing, I'm telling you something. You ask my wife, she'll testify to this fact. The neighbors hear me. My kids have gotten so accustomed to the screaming, the yelling, the shouting. I remember once I was here in the States, I think it was last year, I was a friend of mine, Dennis Heber, I was, I was staying at his place. And on Skype, I was, I was watching the game on this end, and some of the guys were at my house watching the game in my house. And Dennis was like, what's that racket? And I'm like, that brother is the game on at my house. I got it on Skype, and I'm listening to them, and I was part of it. Tore his house down. But spectators don't produce anything. Look at a Michael spirit and you'll see that they produce nothing. They're barren. They produce no fruit. There are a lot of spectators in the house of God today. When is the last time you witnessed for Jesus? When is the last time you told somebody about Jesus? When is the last time you produced some real fruit? They bear no fruit in the kingdom of God. The na- another thing about the Michael spirit is it, has a, it's a, it, it is a carnal critic. It is a carnal critic. Second Samuel 6, 19 to 20. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. The first thing we notice about this spirit is it comes out to confront the man of God. Just when he comes out of the presence of God. In his weakest hour. How many of you wait for your pastor? I'm going to get him. How many of you are sitting right there now and saying, I'm going to get him? Man, this service is going a bit too long. You should have cut the worship down. 
Why did he have to have that presentation? So we got a whole board waiting. And listen to me. Remember what I said to you? How many of you are afraid? Or how many of not afraid? How many of you are tired of religion? Are you still tired of religion? Are you still tired of religion this morning? Because religion will do that. Here was, here was this woman, Michael. She goes to her husband. He's enjoyed the presence of God. He's danced before the Lord with all his might. He comes out and she's like, she waits for everybody to go home. And she comes in she says, you know what? You got a problem. It's a critical spirit. And it is a carnal spirit. It doesn't understand the moves of God. It doesn't ha- understand the spirit of God. It operates in the flesh. She pounces the moment he enters the house. She attacks with sarcastic comments and false accusations based on carnal perceptions. How many of us do that? How many of us have roast the pastor for lunch? Come on. Come on. Because that's the Michael spirit. The fourth thing about the spirit is that it hates worship. It hates worship. Her criticism betrays her feelings for God. Listen to this. Her criticism betrays her feelings for God. You know what, you know what I'm saying? She's hid it so well for quite a long time. But her criticism starts to let out what's really inside of her heart. And so she hates worship. She hates this form of worship. She hates expressive worship. She hates people raising their hands and worshiping God. She hates people speaking in tongues. She hates people dancing before the Lord. She hates expressive worship that means something. She hates that kind of worship. She does not see David dancing before God in worship. Her heart clouds her perceptions. Her heart, that which is in her heart, clouds her perceptions. Some of you guys are so pictures of you going up to Table Mountain. When you get up to Table Mountain, you can see all of Cape Town. Beautiful. It's a beautiful experience when you wait up there. And you're able to look down. It's a great feeling sometimes. It can do something for your attitude. It can do something for your spirit when you're up there. And you're looking down and you're thinking, wow. Look at me up here. Nobody can touch me. But this spirit, her carnal mindset, clouds and her heart clouds her perception. And you know sometimes when you get up the table mountain, they'll teach you that you don't ever go there on a cloudy day. Because you can get up there and see nothing. You've just paid a whole lot of money to get up and see nothing. You need to go up on a clear day. But let me tell you something. Some of us need to learn how to clear the things in our hearts. So that we can get a true perception of what God is. A true glimpse of God. Yeah, it has to clear. She's antagonistic. Her problems are deep-rooted. 
she despises him in her heart. She sleeps with David, experiences David's love and kindness, but despises David in her heart. She has this relationship with him. She holds his hand. She walks next to him. She looks like a picture that she's like she's a part of him. But she's not with him. In her heart, she despises him. Isn't that the picture of the church? Sad, isn't it? I preached a message once with my, with my church and I said, the Bible says, God is for us. Amen? There's a lot of people with us. But not everybody is for us. Come on. And that makes the difference. God is with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He is with us all the way, every day, every single moment. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. He walks with us in our darkest moments. We can go down to the depths of hell and guess what? God is with us. But I'm telling you something. The thing that makes the difference is not the fact that he's with me, but the fact that he is for me. I'm telling you something, church. What makes the difference is that he's for me. I'd rather have somebody for me than with me. I'd rather have a group of people that are for me than with me. Because when, when the going gets tough, some of the tough get going in the wrong direction. This spirit is a spirit that will walk with you, but will despise you in, in its heart. That's religion, church. That's religion. Let me identify that for you today. That's religion. This person or the spirit fellowships with the new move, but it despises it because this new move demands passion for God. Another level of passion. This person can get intimate with a movement, but never intimate with God. Listen to me. Some of us are intimate with the setting of this church. You know why? It's down the road from where we are. Move this church to another location. Then you'll know what was intimate with the building and what was intimate with the spirit of this house. That's religion. Let me tell you something. How many of you are still with me? Come on. Still with me? Do you mind if I get under your skin? Come on. The day you come to your pastor and say, we're moving five, k's, five miles down, we won't be able to attend this church anymore because we're moving five miles down. Let me tell you something. You've got a spirit of religion. You've got a spirit of Michael operating in you. You need to learn how to upgrade and you need to learn how to kill that virus. Come on. Because when you're connected, you don't connect to the building. You don't connect to any movement. You connect to the heart 
of God in this man. You connect to the spirit of God that's resident in his heart and in his life. That's what it's about. And then finally, she's linked to a Saul order. The order of Saul. She is referred to as the daughter of Saul. She slept with David, but she was still connected to Saul. She was bought with a price, but she failed to disconnect from Saul. Remember what Saul said to David? The man who destroys Goliath and slays Goliath will inherit my daughter. David paid a price for her. Just like God paid a price for you and me. There's the understanding. There's the parallel. So you don't think that I'm just making up stories here. When you understand the spirit of religion, you'll understand something. It looks like God. It acts like God. Jesus came and paid a price for you and for me. David paid a price for Michael. But yet she was still connected to the old order. She still decided that she was going to stay connected to that. She loves deliverance, but she hates consecration. Come on. How many of us love to be delivered, but we hate to consecrate? We hate to make that step, take that step of faith and say, you know, I'm going to trust God. We want our deliverance, but we hate consecration. Outwardly, she is the wife of David. Inwardly, she is the daughter of Saul. It suited her purpose to be in the house of David. She was the king's wife. It suited her purpose, but it didn't suit God's purpose in her heart. Because all she wanted was to stay the daughter of Saul. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says this. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issue of life. Let me tell you something, church. This is a matter of the heart. There's a lot of people in the house of God today that have heart disease. You know why? Because her heart's not clean. She had a spectator mentality. Michael carried the genetic configuration of Saul. The genetic configuration of Saul. What genetic configuration are you carrying today? Come on. How many of you have transitioned and moved in from another order, another move of God? You've come into this new move and you're still holding on to the past. How many of you are still talking about what God did for you 20 years ago? How many of you are still talking about, well, you know what, those days we used to do these things in the church. How many of you still, whenever the pastor comes up and says, listen, this is what we're going to do. This is the fresh vision that God's given me. This is the direction that we're taking. You come up and say, but you know, pastor, we, we used to do it like this then. How many of you go back home and tell your kids and you tell your wife and you say, you know, listen, I'm telling you something. I'm not with this man. We can go to the church, but I'm not with him. You know why? Because uh, we did, never used to do these things in our day. My dad taught me something different. Come on. Come on. That's the spirit of religion. The spirit of religion that, that captivates the hearts of people. Saul wanted the ark for victory, deliverance. 
David wanted it for worship. How many of you want the presence of God in your life because you want to be delivered from something, but you don't want it because you want to worship God? Come on. Come on. Don't use the presence of God and abuse it. Saul was self-centered. Saul represents an order that has no passion for God. I'm telling you something. There's an order. There's a, there's, there's a move right now, right here, all over the earth, that has no passion for God. Doesn't know how to transition. And so Michael touched the ark with that unclean heart. And Uzzah was a casualty outside. Michael was a casualty inside. There's some people on the outside right now touching the presence of God and dying because of that. But I'm telling you something. There's Uzzahs outside, but there's Michaels inside that are touching the presence of God with an unclean heart. And I'm telling you something this morning. Church, we've got to kill that spirit. We've got to kill that spirit of religion. Is that Pastor Carrie at the back there? Amen. We want to honor that man. Give the man a, a hand. God bless Pastor Kerry. It's great to have him with us. I went to visit Pastor Kerry's church during the week. Man, I told him, I said, brother, for some of the things you're saying, religion will kill you. That man was speaking some truth. That would destroy religion. And I'm telling you something. When your pastor gets up to start addressing religion. Every man of God in this house that's connected and as a son of this house has to stand behind him. To protect him and protect his ministry and protect his family. Because religion will want to crucify him. Unless we transition, church, unless we get behind the program and the vision of this house, all we are doing is acting out the spirit of Michael. Let me close with this quickly. Jonathan loved David, but he remained loyal to Saul. Remember Jonathan? From the household of Saul. He loved David. He made a covenant with David. How many of you made some covenants here? Come on. But you're still connected to the past. How many of you came and hugged the past and said, I love you, brother. I'm with you, brother. You made a covenant. Besides him and you knowing about it, God knows about it. <laughs> Michael married David, crossed over into his house, but with the heart of an old order, Saul. It was soon disappear into obscurity as the house of David grows stronger and stronger. God is restoring the tabernacle of David church of which Michael will have no part. I'm telling you something that this church is rising up. God is going to take this church to another level altogether. I'm going to prophesy that this morning. I'm going to declare that this morning. But I can tell you something church. Not everybody's going to transition. And you know what? Ain't going to be a bad thing. 
You know why? Because religion's going out. Amen. Come on. Give God glory today. To the Saul and Michael order, this tabernacle will appear more undignified than anything that existed before. 2 Samuel 6 verse 22, and this is what it says. David says this to Saul, to, to Michael. And this is the statement we're going to declare today. He says this, he says, And I will be even more undignified than this. And will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. You know what you're saying? He says, I don't care what you think about me, religion. I don't care what you say about me, religion. I don't care how you act, religion. He said, but I want you to know something. I will carry on doing it. I will carry on preaching the gospel. I will carry on shouting the name of Jesus. I will carry on doing things for God. And I'm telling you something. He said, you know what? I'm telling you something. Those who you, come, who you say are undignified will honor me. There's a group of people in this house that will honor your vision. Come on. There's a group of people in this house that will stand and say, we will stand and we will not be moved. We will not be shaken. We will take the nations. We will declare the manifest glory of God in this place. We will declare that God reigns. We will declare that God is alive. We will declare that religion has no place in this house. Come on. Come on. Religion's got to die. The spirit of Michael, that which looks like God's got to die. It's got to be removed. We cast it out. Come on, raise your hands to heaven this morning. Give God praise this morning. Give God glory this morning. Say, God, I love you this morning. We break the chains of darkness this morning. We cancel the works of the enemy this morning. No weapon fashioned and formed against this house is going to stand. All authority belongs to God this morning. Father, this morning, I pray that there will be a transition that will take place right now. There will be a shifting in the spirit right now, Lord, that will move this house into the next level. That they will transition from glory to glory. And Father, I pray for Pastor Tim this morning. I pray that you would be with him, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen him, Lord. Strengthen his hands, Lord. Strengthen his heart, Lord. That when religion stands against him, Father, that he will be able to stand and stand again. That he will be like David and said, I will be more undignified than this. I will not be pressurized. I will not move back. I will continue forward. And Father, I pray that in this house you will raise up sons that will stand around this man of God. That he will be able to declare the undiluted word of God. With authority, with power, with conviction that will set the nations ablaze for Jesus. Father, we break the, the spirit of religion over this house. We declare that you are God. 
that you reign and that you're a powerful, mighty working God. We give you glory now in Jesus' name. Amen.